as you usually do. <laughs> no, we're going to keep it G. Oh, okay. That sounds <laughs> all right. G as in gangster. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, welcome to practical, practical Shooting After Dark. Well, we're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. Mr. Park. Hello. And Mr. Kim. Hello. The Korean we're brothers. Maybe later, Mr. <laughs> Yankopoulos will drop by and join us. But uh, we're, not, we're not too sure about that, are we, Joel? It's a possibility. Uh, I asked if he's ghosting me, and he said one minute. Well, maybe we'll have him on in a, in a minute. <sighs> Well, I'd like to go first with the topic today, guys. Joel and I That's talked good. about it a little bit in the pre-show, and I'm going to just put out a, a, a general statement. I think at the club level, painting with a broad brush, generally speaking, scoring at club matches has gotten a little bit looser. Does that sound crazy to you, Mr. Kim? No surprise there. Do you, do you feel that way? Just out of curiosity. Uh. I don't think it's necessarily it's happening more. Maybe perhaps it's more noticed recently. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what does it is uh, now that we score on a tablet with uh, that thing getting passed around so much and you can easily make changes to it. And a lot of times half the stage is scored by the time the shooter's done shooting. And, you know, there's people aren't like doing loud scoring calls as much it's like it's kind of very quiet you have you know dude, am i talking crazy here am i the only person that notices this well i've seen so. two different styles some yeah what you're talking about ben is sometimes uh you know like you'll have the ro running the running the shooter and the person with the tablet will just kind of trail behind he'll just look you like oh it's two alpha two alpha looks one like thing uh, I, one thing i see a lot is people will like see a target with like two a's in it um paste it and then tell the scorekeeper what the score was. Mm -hmm. Mr. Yankopoulos is here. We're already live, sir. Outstanding. I already texted Better him. late than never. I said, don't say anything crazy. Yeah. Well, what would you say that's crazy? I don't Nothing. want to talk about that right now. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> plot twist. Andreas does want to talk about it. Now, uh, would you say that, generally speaking, scoring has gotten looser in your experience at the club level, Mr. Andreas? In the last five years or so? I would say it depends on the club yes. and the overall That's... attitude of the match directors. Oh, and yeah. I think uh, you have match directors that put out, have kind of a policy where it's, uh, we are getting you guys ready for level two and above matches. And then we have other match directors, which are more, let's just have a good time. <laughs> okay yes. and that 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 trickles down wrong not just scoring but just a lot of things and i'm not going to say that one match is more fun than the other but they're 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 kind of different or one type of match i should say because we got a we got a couple clubs around here yeah all right well it was just an observation on my part that it does appear that uh scoring's gotten a little looser i'm not sure what the reasons for it are i think there's a bunch of them. uh so kind of what we were talking about, like Andreas said, I think there's two different types. Whereas like, you know, one guy just falls around the tablet and he'll just plug him in and like, here's what you got, Ben, surprise. Or I mean, like my <laughs> club, that crap doesn't happen being straight with you. So it's like my club, like my club matches are ran like a level two match. So it's like, you know, like 
unload show clear, whatever. You go walk the targets. The RO calls out the scores. The scorekeeper repeats them back. They're walking with the shooter. And that like that's just the way monthly matches work. And then there's none of that, that perfect double crap. Like, even if Ben, like, turns up at my club match and Ben will be like, oh, I think that's two. I'll be like, oh, guess what, Ben? I don't think that is. Like, it, it doesn't, it would not matter who you are. Uh, officiating is pretty serious business at my, like, at my club match. None of that crap happens. But to talk a little bit crazy, uh, I know that stuff does happen elsewhere. So, like Andrea said, I think the match director uh, or kind of the, you know, like, the core, the core guys kind of set the tone for what the matches are going to be. And yeah, I think you also fair. you also have different squads, and you have like yeah. squads that are people who participate in a level in a bunch of level two and above matches and are pretty serious about it, and then you have other people who are coming out with more or less carry gear and they're like, well, it is what it is, and yeah. maybe like maybe nobody on the squad has been through RO training or shot with any higher level people, but then kind of things just the the, the interpretation is a lot looser. Uh, all right. Well, I think we covered that topic pretty well. Mr. Park. Uh, I want to talk I, about. I don't know if I talked about this before, so if I have, sorry. Um, I want to talk about the drill of the month for Training Group Live, which Let's is Let's do yeah, it. the podcast for Training Group. Um, so Training Group members get access to the full you know Training Group Live podcast, which is located in a thread inside the Training Group forum. But we also started a drill of the month. Um, which is, so basically the first Tuesday of the month, we there's a podcast that drops that reviews the previous month's drill. And we talk about like the takeaways, the breakthroughs members had, you know, all that kind of business. And then we introduce the new drill. And then when we're talking about the new drill, it's all the stuff you should be focusing on, what could go right, what could go wrong, what your takeaway should be, what your goal should be of the drill, that kind of stuff. And then the drill of the month has its own section in the forum right below the podcast section. So training group members can post their own videos. Uh, they shoot the drill live, dry. They ask questions, uh, you know, just post, you know, some little takeaway they had. And it turns into kind of a group conversation where they're getting feedback from instructors and other members. Um, I would say it's been quite a hit so far. Uh, what? All three of you dudes have been on the podcast or talked about, like, been in that section. But uh, anyway, you're a training group member. Make sure you are checking that section out when you log into the forum, because I think it's been uh, pretty well received so far. Is that fair? Yep. Yeah, I've been having uh, fun with it. Other people seem to as well. Yeah, it has been well received. And uh, what's the drill of the month this month, Mr. Joel? It is group shooting this month, which sounds like something uh, boring and dumb. But I had a, uh, a podcast that dropped with Jason Bradley, what, today? Yeah, today. And it is it is uh, it is not boring and dumb. Uh, Jason mm. makes some very good points about why you should care about being able to fire your gun accurately and uh, points out that sometimes people say that's dumb because it's a defense because they're not any good at it, which <laughs> he was talking hard facts. So anyway, um, check out that podcast and check out the section of, uh, of the forum. Roger. All right. Mr. Kim, yes. what do you want to talk about? So sir? I'm talking about a drill, too. Oh boy! Uh, but b before I get into mine, uh, group shooting definitely is something that I do very often, especially with red dot shooters. Uh, not, uh, yeah, of course. In terms of skill development and practice, like training purposes, you should shoot group shooting. Yes, but 
in terms of maintenance wise, you should always be shooting group shooting if you're shooting red dot, because especially carry optics gun, uh, tend to break the dot really quickly. So you need to regularly check if your red dot is holding the zero the same way mm -hmm. or broken some some kind of thing. So that's uh, a good point. Yes. Or I, like, one more one more thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, or Jason brought out like people like. Oh, group shooting's really dumb. It's like, oh, by the way, Kim, would you zero my gun for me? Like, check my sights and see if this is zeroed. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you can't do that yourself? I thought group shooting was dumb, but sorry. Uh, anyway, go ahead. I apologize. No problem. So uh, recently, a drill dropped on PSDG and also PSDG YouTube channel, too. Uh, the drill is called Trigger Break Exits. So one thing I've been working on a lot, uh, especially off-season, past off-season 2011, uh, wait, 2021, sorry, uh, was predictive shooting. A lot of the work uh, was on the predictable shooting for me, uh, predictive shooting and uh, hand-eye coordination, things like that. And trigger break exits is something that I did a lot to improve that predictive shooting. So basically, it's a very simple setup. It's one open target. Uh, it could be a mini popper or... Uh, any steel target next to it, about a yard apart, and you shoot that at 10 yards-ish. Uh, and as you are focusing, your focus is to exit the target at the trigger break, the moment of trigger breaking, rather than you see the front side lift off and then going, or you hear the ding and then move exiting. Those are more reactive shooting. So the drill really focuses on cutting the reaction time Oftentimes, uh, athletic people have about 15th of a second visual response. Uh, of course, you can be a little faster or a little slower than that. But if you are seeing the sight lift off and then exit or hear the ding or hear the hit mark on the steel and then exiting automatically adds 15th of a second because you're seeing something and then initiating some movement. So to cut that time, you just got to know exactly when the trigger is going to break and then initiate the movement about the same time. In this case, you're just automatically simply cutting that reaction time, 15th of a second every time you do that, uh, which will cut a lot of time in a stage. And a couple aspects uh, I wanted to bring in is not just target transition exit, it's also positional exits. So you should open target, transition to the pepper, shoot the popper, and then you're moving to the next target. There's two different types of transitions, target transition exit, so open target to the popper. And then once you shoot the popper, popper to actually start moving to the next direction. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about exiting at the trigger break in between target transitions. So there's many terms people talk about. It could be like uh, transitioning off the recoil is a lot of people understand or bump transition. There are many, many terms to represent that trigger break exit for target transitions, but I haven't really seen any drill that's focusing on positional exit. So the thing is, if it's a target transition exits, uh, there's two things moving, your eyes to, to, to the next target and the gun to the next target, but you're not really moving with your legs or uh, if you are pumping with um, like unmounted movement, then you need to break. So there's upper body movement and lower body movement, kicking down to the ground. We're trying to be able to connect every body muscles to your brain 
So what I'm saying is, if it's a position exit, it's no longer only two parts. In transition, only two parts, vision and the gun. But in positional exit, it's actually your legs as well. So you want to fire that information. So as soon as the break is trigger break is happening, you want to be able to move your legs as well. So you're kind of uh, syncing your brain to your vision and arms and the legs all together. If that makes sense. So that really helped me to cut some time in the stage, especially without speeding anything up, to be honest. Uh, it's just we're working on that nervous system firing you know, the, the information quicker, just responding to that trigger break, rather than you develop the muscle to uh, speed up your movement. It's a totally different thing. This is about cutting the reaction time. And there's in our sport, there's so many aspects that you can cut out that reaction time and just have a faster time. Like, for example, some people say, hey, that shooter doesn't look fast, but why is his time so faster than this athletic guy? And most of the case, it'll be, yeah, nervous system or predictive exit and actually eliminating that reaction time. So it's a very good drill. Uh, very low like round it. counts too, just six rounds. And that's on YouTube? That's on YouTube, PSTG, YouTube. All right. Yep. Mr. Andreas, time for some crazy talk, right? Oh, I got something, uh, something totally crazy. Okay. So when you get asked a question by several people in a week, that means that probably other folks have it. And just thinking back to, I think a lot of people now are learning shooting by watching videos on YouTube. And how to say it, I've gotten questions on, well, my match performance is not matching up with my drill performance. <laughs> and yeah. I think some of these, these are people that I know in many cases, and I've seen them shoot drills and they can shoot drills very well. And what I think if you're only learning shooting by watching top guys on YouTube, is that you're not getting any of the stage programming, like how to visualize a stage and really turn that constituent skills into a smooth execution of a, of a stage. So you've so, been working on this a lot lately. Yeah, this is something I've personally been working on a lot and has uh, done very well for me, but it's fun to get some get the same question coming back at me and just thinking about how are people learning shooting or how are these particular people learning shooting and noticing that, yeah, they're in many cases watching YouTube videos and, and copying the what they see on there. And I think that's pretty good for developing a good draw and developing uh, a decent stance and, and such, but it doesn't really tell you how the magic happens or how the, how the top guy is really getting the magic to happen when the buzzer goes off. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Where you're like, so this should be like, like a C class guy training on one six drill. He was just explaining the trigger break exit. Like, if you're in C class, you don't need to work on trigger break exit, do you, Mr. Kim? No, not really for C class. <laughs> I would say I'm seeing it more in people who are at B class or so, and they just they're looking very awkward. Like they can shoot a drill smoothly, but they can't shoot a stage smoothly. Yeah. Or you can just, when you watch them shoot, you can kind of see that like they're having to stop and think about what's happening next. 
or something goes wrong and they're it completely throws them. They're like something just went wrong. And it's not just a when you see somebody who's good who screws up, they just kind of fix the problem and move on like nothing happened. Like if you were to look at a good shooter after a, a after a, a big mistake, if you watch the rest of their stage, you couldn't tell that they had screwed up earlier because the rest of it just kind of continues as they visualized it. Versus, I guess, if somebody's more having to think their way through the stage and doesn't really have the cues about when I see this, when I, I do that, when this happens, that happens. If that's not really burned in and, and something goes very wrong, I think it's it's a lot more jarring in that case. Mm-hmm. If that's how you're how you're running stages. One oh, one thing sure. that uh, Ben fixed me uh, and got my score up really a, a lot was when I first took his class. Uh, ben saw me. Uh, we were running a drill, and then I I had like a malfunction, and I quit the drill. And then Ben told me, "Hey, you need to fix the fix the issue, and then finish the drill." And my training focus at the time was to get that one second under draw, for example. And mm-hmm. I was going rap and rap, and if there was anything that prevents me to have that beautiful one second draw, I would quit and then restart yeah. to get that magic done. So when I get was shooting a match, done. the magic. <laughs> so when yeah. I was shooting a match, if I fumble reload or any mistake, will throw whole entire stage mm-hmm. crap. Yeah, that's not good. And yes, then that Ben just telling me, hey, you gotta finish the drill rather than trying to have the magical perfect one run uh, that's not realistic you just the ma- need the magic one run for instagram though that's all that really matters that's why you go to the range right kim yes that's what all, all, what only mattered at like when i first started <laughs> yeah man why else even go to the range yes yeah, so i don't know if anybody any shooters are on youtube talking about programming or my or uh mental rehearsals and such i don't know if that's um, a thing yet I think I might have something that I put up. Uh, yeah, something on Training Group. No, I put it on YouTube as well on the, my YouTube account. Was that the okay. was that those Ghost class? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I think we did talk. Yeah, you did talk about queuing on uh yeah. on the stages and stage planning. Yes, talked about some of that. All right. The biggest problem I'm encountering right now is me shanking my shots when I try and go fast. I grip the gun too tightly, and all my shots go to the left. I feel like doing the build drill about 100 times to fix this problem. However, that's a lot of ammo to be shooting in these unprecedented times. Are there any exercises that you would suggest that don't require ammunition? Would it be useful to use a 22 pistol to run the build drill a couple dozen times, considering the problem is my trigger pull muscles and not really the recoil itself? Um, okay, so from me reading this, it sounds to me like the guy understands the problem. Mm-hmm. And he understands the potential solutions. Uh, a specific recommendation I would make is if you have a single action gun, um, turn the safety on. If it's like a, a double single, like turn the safety on if it has one and cock the hammer. And then the trigger will be set in the correct spot and you can really press into it hard with the safety on without the trigger moving. If you have a Glock or something, it's just going to go dead. But do that trigger, do the like the doubles drill or whatever in dry fire, do that. And um, if, if you're pressing the trigger really aggressively, you should simulate the problem. You should see the sight moving and you want to learn to put a lot of pressure back into the gun without anything moving. 
that's that's the drill that I that I use. Uh, any other specific recommendations for this, guys? I mean, it's going to show up in yeah, it's going to show up in dry fire. Uh, if, I mean, if, if, if you're if he, pulling the trigger hard and fast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you're if your dry fire is honest, then you're going to notice it. And what he could do is go to the range, shoot a bill drill, make it happen, and then immediately dry fire using what you described with, with locking the hammer back. And yeah. he should see it. I mean, I mean just do it yes. exactly the same way in dry fire as he did it in live fire a second ago. And it's going to show I do up. Some, some bad news about this regarding the ammo. I don't think the 22 is really going to do it. You'll just find that really easy to shoot. Yes. 22 doesn't do it. Um, and this is the thing that you, you kind of do need to shoot ammo to do this, unfortunately. Um, the dry fire can help a lot. You can learn it with very few rounds, but you're going to need some rounds. You're going to need some. I agree. Uh, yeah. Trigger control at speed is another good one also. If you grip the gun hard like you are ready to shred with real ammo, and if you like, you know, relax your relax your hands or you kind of press the trigger, you know, not as not as fast as you possibly can, trying to make the hammer fall or the striker fall before the end of the beep. You kind of just relax, you're like, you just gently press the trigger or take your time, then obviously you won't recreate those issues. So I think like what you guys are saying, like trigger control at speed, you're jamming the trigger hard and fast, like immediately. And like Ben saying, uh, having a thumb safety on and like jamming through the trigger hard, again, then you're pressing the trigger way harder than if you were, you know, like you have live ammo. So this can be fixed by with, without a gun too. So this is something that like I saw most uh, best feedbacks when I was teaching, when I am teaching. So this this is on PSTG. It's called uh, hand wrist separation exercise. This doesn't require a gun. So what it is is basically uh, usually it's on the firing hand, right? You grip your firing hand wrist with the support hand. And then completely relax the firing hand and then start moving the wrist up and down and with complete relaxation. You should move bending, wrist is bending around. And then when you keep doing that, like own your own imaginary cue, try to stop that wrist bending from up and down. Then you're going to immediately feel you're, you have to engage your forearm muscles to lock your wrist. First, this wrist has to be solid because of the recoil management and all that. Now, uh, as you are locking that wrist, firing hand side wrist, try to pinch your hand muscles and then see if your fingers are like curling in like a fist or you're opening up like super tense, fingers going really rigid. Check the tension, hand tension. And then now stop that exercise. And then as you just start it again, try to remember what the hand tension felt like when you're relaxed. And then now focus on that relaxed hands. And then curl your wrist up and down again, just using your support hand side. And then try to lock that again. Try to maintain that relaxed hand feel and the fingers. So now this exercise is trying to separate the hand tension and the forearm tension so that you can lock your wrist without tensing up your firing hand. When your firing hand is tensed up, the first thing a lot of people notice is fingers either curling in or curling all the way out and locking everything fingers. So when you actually try to manipulate the trigger, oftentimes you will curl five, four fingers or five fingers all together too. And they can definitely create the low left shots because you're no longer individually moving your trigger finger. So in, 
in order to individually move your fingers, like if you're a guitar player, you will pro probably know this already. Your fingers has to be staying relaxed. If they are curling in or locking all the way straight, the first thing that's going to go away is being able to move individually. So that's one of the exercises I tell people to do. That not only helps the trigger control, but also helps the recoil management. Uh, now your gun should be uh, managing the recoil without firing intention, because especially with the firing hand, you're gripping directly behind the gun, so you don't really have to grip as hard as support hand. Support hand is all around, but except the back of the gun, when the recoil kicks straight back, if you if you are gripping the back of the gun, which you cannot do with the support hand, so support hand has to be gripping a lot harder, but firing hand, the necessary amount of grip pressure is significantly less. So by relaxing your firing hand, first you can relearn the hand tension and keep shooting more rounds and more rounds without getting tired because simply your firing hand is not working as hard. And also your yeah, other benefits we already talked about. But that exercise is, uh, you can do it in the airport, you can do waiting on the red light, on a signal, anywhere. All right. That's why they call you the professor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right, listeners, if you have any questions you'd like the answer to, go to bensticker.com. Send me your questions. We do love to hear from you. Uh, thank you for coming on, guys. Much appreciated. Thank you.